Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The Senate passed the Respect for Marriage Act last week, which would codify same-sex marriage. Many critics are concerned that the bill would make individuals and businesses who have a religious opposition vulnerable to lawsuits. Now joining us to discuss the conflict between religious liberty and same-sex marriage, we have Matt Sharp, Senior Counsel from Alliance Defending Freedom. Matt Sharp, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Matt, some of the biggest concerns folks have over the uh, Respect for Marriage Act is the interpretation, uh, is that the interpretation of the law is so broad that it can expose a lot of uh, people, business and businesses to liability. Do you believe this to be the case? And if so, uh, tell us how. Yeah, absolutely I do. When I look at the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, the two things that concern us the most, Number one, it's giving broad new power to the federal government to be able to go after religious organizations and people of faith that hold to the view that marriage is between one man and one woman. So we could see the federal government starting to leverage that power to punish those organizations. So you could see this playing out with like a faith-based adoption provider that believes kids deserve a home with a married mother and father being punished by the government because of its beliefs. And then second, it opens the door for private lawsuits against these organizations. So an activist group like the ACLU could utilize the Respect for Marriage Act to bring costly federal lawsuits against these organizations because of their beliefs. And sometimes even if those organizations win, the very process of being dragged into court is the punishment. So those are just some of the, the many concerns that we have with this legislation. Now, I want to ask you about a case that has just been elevated to the Supreme Court, I believe, uh, originating in Colorado, where I believe you had a web designer that was put into a situation where she was forced to betray her deeply held uh, religious convictions. Uh, how will a case like this be impacted by the new law, and what effect might the Supreme Court decision have on this case and others in the future? Yeah, uh, this is the Lori Smith 303 creative case that Alliance Defending Freedom is representing Lori. And we think Lori's case has become that much more important in light of the Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, Lori involves a case where she doesn't want to be compelled to create speech supporting same-sex marriage. And so a win for Lori could provide an important protection down the road when the Respect for Marriage Act gets misused to target people of faith, to target religious organizations because of their beliefs. Because regardless of the motivation for a person believing that marriage is between a man and a woman, whether it's because of religious beliefs or otherwise, they should be protected as they speak out, as they express their views on this, and not fear government punishment or costly lawsuits for doing so. Are you getting any sense of how the uh, Supreme Court might rule on this case? Well, we were very encouraged by the uh, questions in the oral argument on Monday. Lots of them focused on questioning Colorado's interpretation, questioning their enforcement of this law against people of faith in Colorado, those that hold to the view that marriage is between one man and one woman. And so we were very encouraged to see time and time again the court recognize that the First Amendment does indeed limit Colorado and other government actors. And so we're hopeful to see a strong victory that would protect Lori, other artists in Colorado, and really people all across the country that worry about government coercion of their speech. Now, on the other hand, uh, we're hearing stories like the one just out of Richmond, Virginia, about a restaurant allegedly refusing service to a Christian group citing staff dignity. Uh, have you heard of more discrimination cases against people of faith, and how are these cases being addressed? Yeah, unfortunately, we do hear stories like that all the time. And I think it highlights an important difference that came up in that 303 creative case. 
no one is saying that someone should have the right to turn someone away because of who they are, because of their beliefs, because of their orientation or race or any other thing. Rather, it's all about the message. So in Lori's case, Lori serves everyone, regardless of whether they're LGBT or any other characteristic. It's the specific message that she doesn't want to be forced to speak by the government. And that's very different than someone turning away an organization or group because they're religious. That looks more like the who. That looks more like saying, I will not serve you because of who you are. And that is something we can all agree is impermissible and should not be allowed. But it's also very different from the artist that says, I'm happy to serve you, whoever you are. Just don't force me to speak a message or celebrate an event that violates my beliefs and my religious convictions. Matt Sharp, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. The latest GDP figures released last week show that the U.S. economy grew by 2.9% in the third quarter. And forecasts show that the economy will further grow in the fourth quarter. Now joining us to discuss the economic outlook, we're happy to have Robert Hughes, senior research faculty at the American Institute for Economic Research. Robert Hughes, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Steve, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course. Now, Robert, uh, want to get your, your thoughts here. What are the, some of the key weaknesses in the most uh, recent GDP numbers that you see? Well, I mean, the one that stands out the most is the housing sector, residential housing. Uh, that's been declining for, I think, six straight quarters now. And I think it was down about 26 percent in an annualized rate. So that was the, the glaring uh, source of weakness. Um, and that's not surprising, given the, the Fed's interest rate increases and the, the increase in mortgage rates we've seen. Um, but there are other sides. Uh, one of the key things I like to look at is it, it's technically called real final sales to private domestic purchasers. That's a mouthful. But it really is, is sort of the domestic demand components. It's, it's consumer spending, business investment, and that weak housing component. And if you look at that, and it accounts for about 88 or 89 percent of the GDP number, it's been slowing. It's, it's down to just a 0.5 percent growth rate in that third quarter. Now, Robert, do you believe the Fed's uh, tightening policy is having an impact on the labor market? Well, we're not seeing a lot of it yet. Uh, you know, the jobs number that just came out was it, it beat expectations. So I think a lot of people initially considered it strong. And, and the number in historical context is a very good payroll number. But if you look at what we've seen over the last, say, 15 months or so, it's definitely been slowing. Job creation is slowing. And that's, you know, certainly partly due to the Fed's interest rate increases. Um, you know, the, the labor market has stayed remarkably strong and tight uh, over the last, uh, since the lockdown recession over the last couple of years. Um, you know, the, the big question is, can it continue to stay strong with the Fed uh, having raised interest rates as much as they have and, and with more likely coming. Now, you did mention the uh, housing market there before. Many businesses have announced significant layoffs. Uh, how will this uh, trend affect consumer spending and real estate values if it does continue? Well, certainly, it, consumer confidence has been an interesting um, category recently because the current numbers, the people's views towards the current economy are actually pretty strong, and that's mostly due to the, the strong labor market. But if you ask them about the future and what they're expecting, it's very pessimistic, very, very consistent with uh, prior recessions. And that's largely due to the inflation and the rising interest rates. So with consumer confidence about the future already weak, if we see the labor market 
uh, start to crumble, start to really slow or turn negative, then that's going to really hurt the consumer and they're likely to retrench on, on consumer spending. So what are your thoughts on the Fed's uh, decision to slow the pace of rate hikes uh, beginning in December? It, it's probably the right thing to do. They've been very aggressive with the tightening cycle so far. Uh, and, and as they say, and most economists recognize, that monetary policy acts with a lag. So a lot of the impact that we've seen from the you know, already in the books aggressive tightening has still yet to come. So it, it does sort of make sense to, to ease back on the, the tightening. Um, but the big question is, with, with inflation numbers still fairly persistent above where the Fed wants to be, will they need to go higher uh, the, the terminal level? Will they need to go higher than they're current ex currently expecting? And that, that's really an open question. I, I don't think the Fed knows. They, they have their, their targets right now. Um, but unless we see some progress on the inflation numbers, they may end up going above what they currently expect. Robert, lastly, before I let you go, um, if I could just get your thoughts on the outlook for the uh, holiday season. Are we poised to see a strong uh, shop holiday shopping season this year? Uh, you know, strong is a relative term. It, it's, I think it's going to do reasonably well, and this is simply a, a gut feeling given some of the data I look at. You know, consumers have shown to be remarkably resilient. Um, the labor market does continue to grow. Um, incomes are growing at a, at a decent rate, um, not as much when adjusted for inflation. But, you know, right now it looks as though the consumer's not quite willing to, to close up the pocketbook yet. So I think the holiday season will turn out to be okay. Really, I think the big risks come in, in the first quarter, first half of next year, uh, particularly if the Fed continues to raise rates. And, you know, consumers at that point may decide it's been a good run, but maybe it's time to get a little more cautious. Robert Hughes, really appreciate your insights. Thank you. Ah, thanks for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.